Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Krishna Krishna Krishna
all glories to the assembled devotees all glories to the assembled devotees all glories to the assembled devotees Go Premanande. Simple things. 
chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> Little breathing also. Um, Shiva Maharaj once mentioned that to really chant Hare Krishna, you need a spiritual body. <laughs> and uh, I can only imagine what that would be like. What would, the, would those kirtans be like uh, when everything just flows? Um, so we gather. I'm almost sorry that we're inside because it's so sunny. <laughs> but yeah, you never know. So... These are just the external material things. The, the essence is, is that we focus. We focus on Krishna. Um, we chant. Um, we ask questions and, and we think about it. Um, um, sometimes I was in a university in Africa and then some of the regular congregation were asking me a question, can you explain exactly how karma works? And, and then the African people who were totally new, they said, why no illicit sex? <laughs> they went straight to the root of things, you know. <laughs> they didn't beat around the bush. They just went straight for and then and then they one student asked that question. Then they all said, you know, like, yeah, what is your hang up with sex? Okay. Then one girl got really like brave and she said, I have ten boyfriends. And I like them very much. <laughs> and uh, what about that? <clears throat> so, well, I told her that, yeah, it's very good to have for you. I mean, if, you're, if you like them very much, that's good for you. But there's something greater a woman can do, right? And that is to have a child, because then you sacrifice as a mother and you give your... Self, so better. But if your child has ten, ten fathers, it gets very confusing. <laughs> so better you have one, one man, and ten children. <laughs> she was quiet. <laughs> She's like, Phew. yeah. So Krishna consciousness is not artificial. There is uh, <coughs> there's ample of opportunity for human expression. Um, the four regulative principles are not oppressive. Um, of course, the modern world is oversexed. Right? It's just like sex, 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 constantly in your face, being advertised and... Uh, Part of the educational system. Now you can choose your own and so on, gender and all those complicated things. And uh, 
But it has a place in life, but not the first place. Krishna has the first place. Devotional service has the first place. And uh, but then, yes, one can, one can uh, have some material enjoyment, but no sinful activity. Oh, there's a license in the Grihastha Ashram for enjoyment. Of course, that enjoyment comes with a price, and that's the realization one gets over time. Think like, is it worth it? Is it worth the price? So much work just for a little enjoyment. And if it goes sour, then for many years, you have to uh, deal with that. In other words, some of us come to the conclusion, let's forget about it all. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not needed. No. And in this way, Simply spend our time with Krishna. That's the best, best thing to do. But anyway, wherever we're from, whoever we are, we are here. And after chanting Hare Krishna, we are now ready for your questions. Gopal, you have the honor to have the first question today. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the responsibility of a mother um, to take care and raise a child, not be irresponsible. So what happens when a mother abandons her responsibility to her child? Well, speaking generally, um, the child gets affected, obviously, and the mother incurs the reactions for abandoning her prescribed duty. Um, it also has an impact on the community, negative, nothing positive that I can see, all negative sinful reactions, trouble for the child, uh, nasty uh, effects on the community, bringing everything down. What good can be said about it? Yashastra vidamutsridhya vartate kamakartha if one, um, Shastra Vidhi, gives up the duties prescribed in Shastras, Shastra Vidhi Mutsridhya, and Vartate Kamakarta acts according to one's own uh, whims or one's own um, selfish desires or one's own lust, Kamakarta, Nasasidhim of Apnoti. Uh, how can that person expect to achieve perfection? Nasasidham of Apnoti. Nasukam. And how can that person even expect happiness? Naparamgatim. Uh, what to speak of going back to Godhead? Tasmad Shastra Pramanam Te Karya Karya Vivastu. 
Therefore, one should know what to do and what not to do by following the directions of Shastra. Um, life is not about enjoyment. Um, life is about performing prescribed duties for the satisfaction of the personality of Godhead. Kamasya nendriya pritir, labhujiveta yavata. What's the other verse I'm thinking? Hmm? No. Anyway, a, uh, this is the business that human life is not meant for so-called enjoyment, which really means suffering. Uh, enjoyment in the mode of passion ends in suffering. And life is not meant for that. Life is meant for human life, is meant for spiritual realization, or it's meant for devotional service. Uh, then uh, one, can, one can get everything desired from human life. Otherwise, then the human life becomes a failure. We have this culture of enjoyment, that life is meant for enjoyment. And okay, we, there's some restrictions on it, but it's meant for enjoyment. No, it's not even meant for enjoyment. It's meant for Krishna consciousness. And the restrictions are meant to help us move toward that point. It's not just meant to you know, cramp our fun. The human life is not meant for that fun meant for Krishna consciousness. And within the scope of that, there'll be some enjoyment. There'll be some enjoyment. <coughs> and some misery. <laughs> Both. But if we try just more enjoyment or less misery, no, more Krishna consciousness, everything else will sort itself out. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Maharaj, you said the example that the, the girl, you told her to have 10 children. So I once spoke with a girl. She was a devotee. She said she don't want to have children. So my question is that, is it okay if grahasta devotees, if they are doing devotional service, but they don't have children for higher like purpose? In principle, yes. I mean, it's not that. <clears throat> it's uh, that is pure spiritual activity to have children, even Kamusmi Bharabhatarasabha via Garbhadana Sanskara. You don't go back to Godhead by having children according to Garbhadana Sanskara. It's simply uh, activity which is in the mode of goodness, it's activity according to principles of dharma, so you don't get entangled in in, in sinful activity, but you get all the uh, distraction of, of having the child, 
I mean, so much time spent about material things for that child and children. So if some grihastas really don't want children and, and just absorb in devotional service, yes, they can do. That kind of grihastha life is more like a vanaprastha life. Uh, in a sense, uh, it's, it's a grihastha life, but it's actually beginning towards ending the grihastha ashram. Someone who enters into the Grihastha Ashram like that doesn't fully enter into the Grihastha Ashram. May live quite renounced and simple. So there are different kinds of Grihastas described in scripture. There are Grihastas who are living very renounced and collecting some, some grains in the marketplace. Right, some leftover grains. After the market is over, there's some grain lying on the, on the street and they just take that. And somehow or other they live like that. But there are others who are professionals. There are accumulators like that. There are different types of krihasas. And naturally, having children may also fit in there. But then again, in the, in the nature of, of women, it is very deeply uh, programmed. Um, all bodies have a particular programming. And if you're in a female body, then that desire to have a child is very, very deep. And even if for a while they may think they don't want, when they get older they may regret. They'll be alone. They'll be lonely. So therefore, generally speaking, it's good to follow Grihastha Dharma have, once you marry, have a family, and so on. But in some renounced cases, okay, go with two, like a, something resembling preparing for a Vana Prastha Ashram. Not all at once. <laughs> it's always someone in the back. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj, a few weeks back, someone raised a question about these can you hear me? Yeah. <clears throat> a few weeks back, uh, someone raised a question about devotees leaving ISKCON and implications of it. Keeping that as a context, I was wondering what should uh, be our dealing with those devotees? And secondly, what if we think they are in a subtle way, inviting people to their places or asking for some services for them, how should we deal? The question needs more specificness. Um, people, someone leaves ISKCON, where do they go? Do they go to... to um... March to Babaji's or to different Goswamis. Okay. Someone leaves ISKCON for going to Babaji's and Goswamis, and then what do they want? How do we deal with them? 
echoes before they were our friend. Well, they're Babaji's. Let them deal with them, you know, with uh, their little couture and their beads. Why do you have to deal with them? No. But <laughs> <laughs> they're part of our, still our friend circle. Excuse me? If they are part of our friend circle. Well, if they want to be Babaji's, then they, they're dropping out of a friend circle there. <laughs> They can join the Rasa dance or something else. <laughs> and what do we do if we find out that they are subtly inviting other devotees from our places? Well, you educate your devotees because you can't, we don't have drawbridges and um, walls and uh, cannons and all of that. <laughs> and everyone's a free agent. Everyone can go where they want to go. If they're, of course, they ought to be guided by their spiritual master. They may not have a spiritual master, then they're really free agents. They can go wherever they want. So mm, you can go there, or you can go here, any, any candidate. So we should educate people what it is that you get here, give them some idea of what, what they get there, what the difference is, what the, perhaps what the prospects are, where, where does their life go. But generally speaking, the, the advice is... Mm, Improve the value of your product. When there's competition in business, improve the value of your product and uh, improve your customer service. <laughs> improve your, your advertising. <laughs> That's the general advice. You can't stop the customers from looking at other, at looking at competitors. They'll look. And if the, if the product seems better, if the customer service is superior, they, they may go there. But if you have superior, a superior product and you're educating your people about the value of your product, showing them you know, what to do with your product, and your customer service is top-notch, then people may think, why should I go anywhere else? Hmm. The yeah. For people who are interested in Babaji life and you know the, the Radha Kund and. <laughs> all of that. There's a, a book that I've recommended to a number of devotees, uh, Follow the Angels. It's a compilation of, of mm, teachings from Srila B.R. Sridhar Marsh, Srila Prabhupada's godbrother. And it really lets you know what Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur said about these matters. There's a, a drum beat there. What is it? Uh, 
Purava Ragapata Gaurava Vange, is that? Pujala Ragapata Gaurava Vange. Basically, these things will keep above our head. These higher topics will keep above our head and worship them. Uh, not that we whew, somersault into the highest uh, topics, the highest uh, everything. Um, but we take the humble position, and then mercy descends. When we take the humble position that I'm not qualified for these things, uh, I'm, I hope to be qualified, but I'm uh, my business is to serve my spiritual master, to hear, to chant, to engage in devotional service under the direction that I've received. When I take that position, then mercy comes. You chant Hare Krishna, and you get more than just mechanical <laughs> syllables chanted. You get realization of the Supreme Personality of God then. Oh, by chanting, by hearing, by worshiping the deity, hmm. by association of devotees, and by a humble mood, one gets everything. And if we're impatient and we think that, you know, let me, let me get everything, then it, it doesn't work. You, you don't get it. <clears throat> the, this, one of the comments in by Srila Sridhar Marsh. I mentioned the, the book particularly because um, because it comes from from you know generations back from especially instructions of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. So people can't just say, well that's just ISKCON. You know, ISKCON, you know, they kind of like they just work you know, they, they're just into karma. They just distribute books. They, they, you know, that's, that's kind of ISKCON's. They, they don't get past that. So just because that that may be... No, it's, just, it's, it's coming from generations. And Srila Prabhupada is, is exactly representing what Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakura taught. The one comment in that book is that we have a step-by-step -step process, adhoshrata, sadhusanga, bhajana kriya, up to anartivriti, then nishta, rati, bhava, prema. And the comment is if you, if you skip a step, the part you, you skipped will remain hollow. Like they, they build these buildings. There was some years ago, some building collapsed in Bombay, an apartment building. And upon investigation, they found out that the contractor just used cheap cement. You know, saved saved money by uh, you know put up the building fast and cheap by skimping on the cement. 
less sand and, and more whatever more, more water. sand less cement hmm? more, more sand, sand less, less cement. cement yeah he's an expert like the Gurukul building like the Gurukul <laughs> the top floor <laughs> more sand less cement and then it crashes so we can remain hollow like that you know you build a structure and you find out that one floor has got like wobbly supports and all of that but then it'll crash it won't be won't be substantial and if we follow the process patiently uh, patience enthusiasm determination it, it'll come thank you Maharaj. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, I have a question. When it comes to the management, and then ladies are involved, and uh, there are senior devotees who are not willing to listen to not instructions but uh, all kind of instructions i guess uh, from the lady when she's put in a higher position than them then uh, what to do when they're not really willing to cooperate okay <clears throat> so we're speaking from the position of a lady in a in a position of management who has to tell people what to do and not everyone is cooperating um, yeah that's there may be an extra element you know where when ladies are put into uh, positions of leadership of, of some resistance but let me tell you, even when you are a manager and you're a man, they still don't cooperate. <laughs> it's, uh, and, you know, it's interesting because I started management in, in 1978. And in those days, there was a very strong authority structure in all of ISKCON, and everyone was sort of listening. So although I was only the temple commander at the time, um, I had a lot of authority. People would do what I say. But as time moved on, things changed completely. And I, I got higher positions and less authority. <laughs> nobody, nobody listened to me. It wasn't about them cooperating. I had to cooperate. <laughs> it's like, somehow or other, as the manager, I had to cooperate to bring them to a point where we could make some sort of uh, agreement. But I couldn't just tell people what to do. It's not the trend. So we have to see there's time, place, and circumstance. And when we are in a position of management, um, you cannot just think, I'm in charge now, and everyone has to do what I say. Uh, 
it doesn't work like that. And it's true that ladies are uh, are a little handicapped when they are in a in a leading role, so they have to be especially yeah, tactful. We're working with volunteers. This is a movement of volunteers, not a movement where you pay people. Yeah? It's like I was I was running the Mayapur Samadhi, and most people were on the payroll. I was an absolute boss. Yeah? <laughs> and when I was a temple president, phew, you know, I had to have group meetings to decide the color of the wall, and everyone could suggest a color except me. <laughs> As soon as I suggested a color, he's so authoritarian, he's trying to control everything. <laughs> it's like, they, they said all horrible colors, and I go, oh God, what to do? <laughs> but I had to, uh, had to, participation is, is mentioned in, in, in management books. We find that when you allow people participation in decision making, then they become motivated. Then they'll feel it's, it's their project. So that's the trick. You're in charge and you let them participate. And somehow or other, you let them discover what you want them to do. <laughs> Now that's management. <laughs> yeah, in this way, but people need to feel that uh, that they get a chance to be part of the decision making. Then they become motivated. Hare Krishna. Um, Maharaj, if we uh, know someone who is, uh, for whatever reasons, some devotees get into situations where they're discouraged from chanting, um, and say someone who's like spent pretty much their whole life in the movement gets into a situation where they're discouraged from chanting, had lots of service, um, lots of association, um, high positions even in the movement for many, many years, but was discouraged from the way in which devotees treated them. Uh, maybe some sense of exploitation or just a lack of caring relationships. How how do how do we associate with such a person? Because it's like they have all these devotee qualities and knowledge and experience, and it's kind of ingrained. But there's also this complete disinterest in a desire to chant to to see Krishna consciousness and ISKCON as um, more than just one of many perspectives that one can sort of mature from. Almost, it's quite strange. Mm. Someone has lost their taste for chanting. They're discouraged by the way they've been treated or by their own their own shortcomings. 
which we can blame on, you know, the environment. So what to do? It's individual, first of all, who, who they are, what your relationship with, with them is. Are they your friend? Are they your junior? Are they your senior? Are they really inimical or are they just disheartened? Not inimical. Still, yeah, like Krishna consciousness is ingrained in them. It's normal, but they just don't see this need to offer prasadam to chant anymore. It's like my lifestyle has changed. Well, you try to, what can we do? Leave the door open for them, check in on them. People change also, you know, this, this uh, I'm totally, forget it, I've had it, I'm moving on. And then you come back in a year and it's like I'm missing the devotees. And, you know, people's lives change. Or they go the other way. But So you always want to keep some um, opportunity for them to, to be connected. Um, they may want to do service. They don't want to chant, but they want to do something meaningful and helpful, uh, either out of friendship for you or, or out of a sense that it's a good thing to do. So you may find something that they like to do anyway. They're disheartened about chanting, but they're still willing to do some service. Let's see about that. Uh, send them prasadam now and then. You see what you can do. But, uh, but it's really up to them because you can't make them. You know, they know what it is and it's up to them. So you can pray for them. You can try to encourage them. Be kind to them. Be friendly friendly toward them. The rest is up to them and Krishna. Maybe maybe sometimes one dimension is also that uh, the devotees themselves who feel like uh, keeping a relationship with these people are not strong. Mm. And then when they're not strong, then it may be difficult to start getting too close to, yeah, to such awesome. people. So you also have to have your a certain strength yourself to take on such people. I also remember someone who uh, yeah, fell down in the temple, was the temple president, fell down, left, and then I went to visit him sometimes, and there was wine in the, in the, in the, in the fridge and all this, and okay, I tolerate it, yeah, but it may not be good for... for, for someone who's not strong, to regularly go there to encourage them. Who's encouraging who? <laughs> also, you know, once upon a time, I was like in the mood of being in the fire brigade. And whenever I saw a fire in the Hare Krishna movement, I had to go there and put it out. These days, I let all kinds of things just burn down.
we continue forward. Hmm? What to do? Mm. Hare Krishna Maharaj. You said that life is not about enjoyment, but is it like a crime to have fun if you're doing a preaching activity or you're trying to make it fun for the youngsters, but it's still, they're, they're enjoying all of it otherwise? She's asking me, it looks, sounds like. She's responding to what you said. Yeah, do you want to take it? <laughs> sure, yeah. <clears throat> well, Maharaj also said that, uh, that as we take up devotional service, that then enjoyment will also come in the cause of devotional service. So it's not that devotional service is not enjoyable. <laughs> of course, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Yes? Susukam kartam avyayam. It's full of joy. It's joyfully performed. And uh, if we can bring out that that joy and engage people in devotional service, that's wonderful. That's very good. Yeah. But, you know, having said that, it's also not necessarily that we package the real substance of devotional service in so much fun and this and that, you know, for the youngsters. I mean, give the youngsters a, a hardcore kirtan mm -hmm. and... Uh, and and that's that's enough fun, you know. Let's have a bicycle tour for all the kids, and then a picnic on the way, and you know what else can we do? And then oh yeah, then we chant a little Hare Krishna. I think the real thing is get the kirtan culture going. Yeah, stay with the substance. Don't don't no need to go so much for packaging. These days, somehow or other, a lot of emphasis goes on packaging, 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 and packaging. But, you know, it's it's really... Then you see some people, they just do basic things, like chanting Hare Krishna, a basic uh, Bhagavad Gita, and, and they get all kinds of people. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of people. And if you package so much, and you start to do all this bridge preaching, you go over bridges to to reach people, but the difficult and they may take it a little, but are they coming back over the bridge? Or are they staying on the other side of the bridge? With you. <laughs> <laughs> and are you gonna stay there too? <laughs> yeah. It's nicer if if at least if we preach um more direct and more simple, more straight, then we live a, a, a nice, straight, Krishna-conscious life. And then the people that come, they're also attracted to that. So, no need to uh, just just present the substance. Prabhupada also says, Priti Vityachi Yatanagaradigram, that... Uh, uh, in every town and village, my holy name will be heard. Prabhupada said, that means there are devotees everywhere. 
So they're already there. It's not how am I going to make a devotee. No, they're already there. Just, just go there and they'll come. Kirtan and service. It's not that our job is to create an environment where everybody has a good time and, and everything is done for them. And But do something. You know, if there's a program, okay, you can... You, you, you could wash the pots and, and you can organize the kirtan schedule and you can uh, set up the this, the, the tents or that, or the, the chairs and the this and the that, the serving. That, that's blissful. Devotional service is inherently blissful. So let, we don't have to insulate people from service. You know, we have to give them fun and we do all the service. Let them do the, do the service. Engage them in, in, in service and they'll grow. Especially young people, give them service. Not that we just, you know, uh, arrange for them to have a beautiful time. Practical activity in Krishna service is blissful. Since also we are in Vrindavan and Aindra is, uh, Aindra Prabhu is very much, I feel, present in the 24 hour Kirtan and in the memories of the devotees. <clears throat> now also the new book was released about his biography. So I would like to ask you both, also on the base of your uh, personal memories of him, um, because I personally never met him and I, I, uh, I'm curious to understand deeper, like what, he, what was really his mood and how can I, how can we relate to, to him? Because he was extremely intense and uh, this intensity in Krishna consciousness, because today we are mentioning, um, we all struggle more like to find our sense enjoyment in our life and to secure that also. So, and he set the example of just the complete opposite. So um, sometimes I, I I would like also to understand how much somebody like him uh, is just on another level. He just starts on another level, and we can't compare to him, um, or we cannot try to imitate him. But you know, something in this area. Sorry if I could not um, come to very clear. This would be question. No, no. I'm going to say up. a little bit and then I'll give it to Katoma Kananwaj because I didn't because uh, yeah, you've you had a lot of association with Andrew and I, I really yeah. didn't. Um, <laughs> what I've seen of course is that Andrew's made a wonderful contribution because he established what Pra something Prabhupada wanted. Prabhupada wanted the 24-hour kirtan. No one else could get it together or even had the, had the drive to get it together and he did it <laughs> so that's substantial that's substantial um, and I have to you know respect and honor Andrew Prabhu for that contribution and so many others he's when you talk to devotees that he's 
inspired and helped and, and so on. So his contributions are there, uh, substantial contributions. Uh, just chanting Hare Krishna every day for so many hours, for so many years. That's not nothing. That's all, all service. I think you, you hit the right note when you said that um, we shouldn't try to imitate Indra. <laughs> you know, we'll all go out there and, and buy our caveman outfits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> caveman outfits. <laughs> But we should pick up that dedication to service to the holy name and to Vrindavan and to devotees. Um, because he, he was very much, he was very much uh, willing to understand what is his, in my uh, place. What is his position in in the spiritual world, in one no, class, to back up everything you said before you picked up the microphone. Yeah, sorry, because I was hearing here. you were mentioning some weeks ago in one class, um, in one parikrama, but it's it's not Prabhupada program to to try to understand what we are in the spiritual world, but to just serve. Um, so I sometimes I get confused. To, to well, understand I'll to that, if, not, to, not to Indra, because Indra's, you know, I, I don't, I'm not connected with his inner life and his, even his outer life. So I, I'm just going to take the topic in a broader level. Um, there's a, the path that Srila Prabhupada taught us, it can be in terms of realizing our eternal identity is to serve, to chant Hare Krishna, to hear, to read, to serve. And by the grace of, of Krishna and the spiritual master, uh, in time, everything will come to us. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but you know, we don't read nectar of devotion because it's too high for us. Or if we read it, we just superficially read it. We're interested in all of these things, but the essence of it is that by service, yasya deve para bhaktiryata deve tatagra tushayate katitahirata prakashante by having faith in Krishna and the spiritual master, and faith means serving them. Uh, everything is, is revealed. That was Prabhupada's approach, not that, um, you know, somehow or other get out there and uh, you know, you got to find out at all costs. Go go through every book in in, in uh, Bihari Lal's bookstore until you find out who you really are. Um, just by service, Shushu Shodhana Siyavasudeva Kataruchi Siyanmat Sevayavipratir Punyatir Tanishev. By service, it's by service. That was Prabhupada's approach. Now, there's another. Uh, approach that uh, we start off essentially by finding out who we are and then we we once we know that then we mold our life accordingly uh, that's generally 
uh, Sahaja Sampradaya takes that approach, and others may take that approach. It's worth mentioning that there's a, a book by Dhyan Chandra Goswami. He's a follower. We generally hear that this idea of, of you know, getting your identity and meditating and doing all, all of this kind of stuff um, from, from the get-go comes from uh, Gorgopal, Gorgopal, right? Goswami. Guru Gopal Goswami. And that comes from his disciple, Dhyana Chandra. Gopal Guru. Gopal Guru, yeah. Uh, I say Guru Gopal, Gopal Guru Goswami. And this comes from his disciple, Dhyana Chandra uh, Goswami, who wrote a book on all, you know, all the intricacies of everything you wanted to know about life in the spiritual world and how to live it. Um, interestingly, um, I've come to know from Mm, Gopinatha Charja Prabhu, who's our scholar in, at, at Oxford, very good scholar, Sanskrit scholar, that this uh, manuscript exists in one copy. The copy is recent, like 19th century, and no one mentions it earlier. 18th, 19th century. No one mentions it earlier. Uh, these are all indications of inauthenticity when there's an authentic work everyone's talking about it hmm? you know like Eindra's book or, or his biography we're all talking about it we're reading it someone's writing something about it in their uh, you know their blog or, or whatever and there's uh, quotations here and there and he's being cited and so on so if someone comes from 50 years 50 years from now, I say, yeah, you know, they, that was published around such and such time, and it had this influence and that. If all of a sudden, if, if there's nothing, and then all of a sudden there's activity around it, like, let's say, um, you know, 200 years from now, everybody's writing about you and your book and so on, but there are no copies available from your, during your lifetime. No one talked about it. And today there's only one copy, which was made 20 years ago. Right? You can connect the dots and see what it is. So uh, these things are not mentioned by uh, Srila Prabhupada, uh, or, and this path is not recommended by our acharyas, and its attribution to um, Gopal Guru Goswami is doubtful. And the whole Radha Kund business sits on that. You pull that out, and how much is left? So, mm, therefore, Srila Prabhupada was very careful. Uh, now, he's, anyway, Prabhupada, when he was here, was very careful. He would see somebody with this great tilak. Where have they gone? Who has told them they can go there? Who are, who are they mixing with? Call the GBC. <laughs> he was on it. Because in Vrindavan, you get everything. The good, the bad, and the in-between. 
So Prabhupada was very careful to protect us from so many things. And if we stick to the path shown to us by Srila Prabhupada, then we'll, we'll develop in a healthy way and, and we'll come to the goal. Otherwise, to take, take the fast track, the fast track may not go anywhere. Is that okay? Yes, uh, but can I ask something? Or something is a question? It's about the same topic, or it's just something, another, another question? Okay. Did you want to say something about Andrew? Yeah, I can. You know, um, Ayindra started in uh, in New York, and he had this desire to uh, to do kirtan, and he was he did that. Ayindra was a uh, Redhead, bearded revolutionary, right? And it's like a particular type of people, very intense nature, really kind of fiery. Indra was also an artist. He was uh, artistic about everything he did. Right? There was nothing that was ordinary. Everything um, was dramatic because he was an artist. And... Uh, Indra, he, um, when he came to do the 24-hour kirtan, he visited here, and he tried it out a little bit. Okay? I remember that, because I was here when he came and tried it out. And, uh, and he thought about it, and then he thought, yes, I, I, I can do it, and I want to do it. And he started to get into the mood of living in Vraja, and try to live a uh, a life very serious and spiritual life um, in those days the ashram was much more simple uh, much more simple than it's now and uh, uh, there were several intense people living in the ashram like Ayindra was one of them <laughs> and uh, Dina Bandhu was another one you know I mean <laughs> Dina Bandhu was exploring Vindavan and uh, another very absorbed, focused person. So the ashram was, it was uh, everyone was more austere. Um, there were several devotees chanting 64 rounds. That whole mood was very different than, than now. Right? And uh, yeah, so I also stayed there. And uh, I was the uh, temple president and Vana Prasta Ashram. So Indra uh, definitely, uh, we heard, got this uh, 24-hour kirtan going. It was extremely difficult. Um, first of all, someone had to be free to do that, most people were not free. Second of all, it had to be like a person who was uh, a good musician to attract others to do it, he, he was. And it had to be someone who, uh, who just would tolerate a lot of trouble in, in making it happen. So 
he paid his dues there. You know, not anybody can do it. Now, in hindsight, it's very easy to see that he was uh, was destined to do it. And uh, and then his particular focus on Vrindavan, yes, it was part of his personality, maybe also part of his artistic side, I sometimes think. I think every artist has to be different, you know? So Indra had to be different. It, it couldn't be like everybody else, impossible, as Madhava cannot be, as, you know, an artist cannot be. Uh, so that was also Ayendra. He took great interest in the uh, the more Rasika uh, side of spiritual life. He he did look at it like that, and um, then Indra became like the uh, yeah the latest star in ISKCON, you know, like if you go to the history of ISKCON, there are different musical stars, like there used to be a time when Vyasaki was the, was the, the hottest guy in town, and he'd come to Vrindavan, and, you know, he had his Mardanga players, and lead a guru, puja, Sri guru, charana, padma, and the Mardanga players would go, synchronized, and big show, you know, and then, up in the room in the ashram, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. That was like the hottest thing in town. So, I remember when when Vyasaki was leading such kirtans, the veranda was full of devotees. They're all sitting there, you know, like the room was full, the veranda was full, and the kirtan was rocking. But then. Ayindra took it to another level. It was it was reflective. It was meditative, and for the first time, it went more internal, right? which was um, we were ready to to explore a little bit more in Iskon. From well, there has to be something more than just uh, fired up kirtan. So meditative kirtan, and it became a trend. It just it went all over the world. Right? No one expected that 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 would happen. It just became like he started his CTs. He started. It became huge. He became like the Michael Jackson of his kind, <laughs> basically the the famous the famous kirtanier. He became the the. Uh, the top personality in Kirtan, and everyone and his auntie start to uh, copy Indra, right? Everyone. And it became the new trend, and suddenly we all sit down, and everything is long, drawn out, slow, and that beat, you know, like, that retarded beat. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's not retarded. It doesn't mean uh, disabled. Disabled. It means it's 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 a slow, drawn out beat. It's it's a, it's a, the word has several meanings. So, in rhythm, it's called framic. Okay, Doctor Gopal here is the expert at the beat. Framic. Yeah. Anyway, I still can't do it. <laughs> I'll never learn to play slow kirtan. Today I started so slow, it was so difficult. <laughs> okay. 
when it started to speed up, I started to feel better. <laughs> but, so Indra had a huge impact on Kirtan in the world. And now, in, in hindsight, now we're looking at him like, yeah, um, there was destiny involved. And uh, and he brought every, he really created a culture of chanting Hare Krishna. If we have anything like a Kirtan Mela in Iskan, it's all, it was all riding on the Indra wave. He started all that. Yes. Of course, you know, a lot of people start to also copy the externals. You know, we saw a lot more beards. We saw a lot more, uh, we see everybody, no matter how hot it is, has to have a little chatter, you know. I mean, all these Kirtaniers, they have to have a little chatter. It's suffocating, you know, like, I don't know how they can keep the thing around their neck, but they have this little chatter. So there's a whole fashion also. Then you have to buy a certain type of uh, raw silk chatter, you know, like Indra head. And if you get really serious, you can wear goat's wool socks as well. And of course, if you're really hardcore, you can put the ankle bells because sometimes Indra used to wear these dancing bells and jump around the temple at ten at eleven o'clock at night. That's when I would chant Japa. <laughs> what to say? So he was eccentric, but he was very focused. He was so serious about this kirtan party. He was was trying to to train men of caliber, not just people who were just sitting there. No, a serious dedication, um, not only musically but spiritually. Made him clean bathrooms just to get some character going, and um, and he himself would take the lead. So Indra was um, at the core was his dedication and his focus and then his particular interest in uh, in Vrindavan and in higher Rasika topics which was very much there as I said 11 o'clock at night so one evening after 10 o'clock I'm in the temple chanting my last rounds because I had a busy life and there were some devotees cleaning the altar and one Bengali devotee is screaming very loud to another Bengali devotee on the other side. So I go like, come on, you know, be a little quiet. Krishna's taking rest, right? It's evening time. And the Indra stopped the kirtan. He says, no, he's not. That's what Mother Yasoda thinks. <laughs> and then he started the kirtan again. So, you know, he was like this. Right? What can I say? Um, um, not to be imitated. If you know, first you first we show all this determination. First we just do the service, and do a lot of service, and then um, you can show interest in higher topics. But uh, it has to be based on the service, and that's the essence. So very few of us have that kind of seriousness. And therefore... Actually, sorry to... Interrupt. Yeah, yeah because actually I may not have formulated perfectly because... Yeah. But my question at the root is this sort of uh, uh, one-pointedness and 
full determination and seriousness, but he has shown. Yeah. So, is he the only one? That's my, my question. question is my question to you: <laughs> Is he the only one? Are we now going to put him on a platform and say, "Wow, no, no, Ayendra no. was the avatar"? You know, Kirtan mm. avatar. I'm, I'm asking you. No. You think he, he's the only no. one? No. Okay, good. No. But then he was one of, the, one of the devotees who had this focus. And most of the devotees don't have it. So why? Why? Because yeah. they're all neophytes. So they're means influenced by the material nature and a few people from maybe a previous life. They are starting in a little more advanced position. So when Prabhupada says... We can make it in life to go back to God. By mercy. If you follow, then by mercy. Like, like there's, there's, in the, there's a lecture where Prabhupada is speaking about uh, Lord Nishingadev. And in that lecture, um, he's speaking about uh, how uh, Hiranyakasipu performed his austerity. Brahma gave the benediction. And... And then Prabhupada said, and the Lord held the words, held up those words of, of Brahma. Risi Uchu, he says. Risi Uchu. So the Lord holds up the words of the saintly person. Then Prabhupada says, so if the saintly person, said, person says, you chant 16 rounds and you follow four regulative principles and you go back to God, then you must go. That's in the folio in the Veda base. You must go. Dina Bandhu tells us in Portland, Srila Prabhupada came and Srila Prabhupada said that uh, if you chant 16 rounds for regulated principles, you will go back to Godhead. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Three times. You know? So, I mean, there are such kind of uh, such kind of um, references. And it's interesting that Srila Prabhupada emphasized back to Godhead and not like, he didn't call his, uh, his magazine Prema Pumarta Mahan, you know, like that, like the, the, the goal of human life, the ultimate goal and benefit of human life is Krishna, is Krishna Prem. No, he didn't make that the slogan, back to Godhead. So somehow or other, this movement is, 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 Sometimes, well, in in uh, in nineteen ninety nine, I did a seminar, and it was called from sixty six to ninety nine, right? And in sixty six, in the early back to Godheads, it's all so positive. Just that we, here's our new center there, and we're all waiting for Prabhupada to come down. And we're all going back to God. In 1999, it was, if your guru is a Paramaprista Priya Saki, then maybe, possibly, theoretically, you could go back to God at this lifetime. Although, in reality, it never happens. <laughs> right? Uh, no. So that creates some sort of image that there are rare souls and they are getting it. And this is Lord Chaitanya, Namaman Vananyaya Krishna Prem Padayate, he who distributes love of God to the most fallen. Ha ha ha. But only if your guru is a Paramapesta Priyasaki will you get it. <laughs> you see that that doesn't make sense, that line of thinking. So we, we are not 
getting it in that way, but mercy. So let us focus on what Srila Prabhupada asked us to do, these 16 rounds and these four regulated principles. Then so much mercy can come. And, you know, latest we get love of God at the gate of the spiritual world. Mercy goes a long way. And if, if, if mercy is not part of this movement, we got no chance. <laughs> okay. I hope that was okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, I can relate the, the brief story. I, I was telling Kadama Kanamaraj this the other day that I attended a program of um, for young people. It was a they met every week or two weeks, a little kirtan, little kata. And one of my god sisters had been invited who had joined another Bodhis society. And she was speaking and it started off sort of uh you know, the things we all hear, and then whew, suddenly the elevator took off and we were, you know, in all this like super ultra uh, uh, elevated topics, not just rustic topics, but, you know, all the details of higher understandings, tattva, just past the tattva of high... And, uh, you know, all these things are being discussed. None of, none of the Dal Rice Japati stuff that we talk about in, in the usual ISKCON classes. This was all, uh, you know, sweet rice and, and samosas and uh, super preparations. And um, so this, this, this was going on and nothing against our, our Siddhanta all from Shastra, all authorized, all legitimate topics. Really nothing that you might not hear a piece of here and there in a, in a Bhagavatam class in Iskhan, but it was all like concentrated, you know, like uh, super, super dose. So, okay, nice. Um, and then some of the young people who where the people who attend the programs uh, drove me back to where I was staying. And uh, they got in the car and they were talking about the soccer match. They were talking about, um, you know, all ordinary mundane activities. So this was the audience. On the one side, you have this like, uh, upper, upper, you know, upper, upper uh, kata. And the other side, you have people who are, you know, haven't yet committed to following the four regulative principles. So there's a, a mismatch. And as, as you said, from 66 to 99, so we, we go from being very serious about trying to follow these basic things to sort of skipping a lot of those basic things and just shooting for the top. And the result is that you get thinness you get you don't get the, the real substance it's, it's it's an appearance like a veneer you know a shellac on the on the on the on the wood it's not substantial 
not to say that no one is substantial, that you can't have these higher things, but it's, it becomes like a marketplace commodity. And, you know, you spend 40 rupees or down in Bishar and you can, you know, the whole spiritual world opens to you. It doesn't work that way. One time, Srila Prabhupada said, you know, it was famous many years ago. I can't tra trace out the exact source, but I think it's legitimate. Prabhupada said, don't try to be a great devotee. Just try to be a good devotee. Over time, how did that happen? I didn't say uh, I didn't put my foot on the brake, but because the topic was uh, interesting. Yeah. But so, what do you think? Another hour or not? <laughs> I mean, I'll go next door. <laughs> if you like to keep on going, uh, the place is yours. And, uh, we should, I think, follow our program. Uh, uh, anyway, you're you're you tell me what to do. Whatever you tell me, I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. That's what we need. Someone tells me what to do. Yeah, no problem. With that. That's why I showed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>